that the history of Easter Island is not even close to being a settled matter, and it often relies on fragmentary and contradictory evidence. Today, new research has begun to challenge the familiar narrative we've all grown up with, and we will have to deal with a lot of uncertainty as we forge ahead through the tragic story of this most remarkable island. According to tradition, the first Polynesian settlers arrived on Easter Island at a point called Anakena, a white coral sand beach on the north of the island that forms a natural harbour. And it's worth mentioning that the landscape these first settlers would have seen was very different to the one we see today on Rapa Nui. The bare grassy slopes first spied by Rogovine in the 18th century, and which we know from images today, would have been nowhere to be seen. In fact, they would have been covered by a thick forest of tropical palm trees. If you dig down into the earth of Easter Island today, you can still see the hollow moulds left by the roots of these trees. Studies of these root moulds, as well as pollen analysis, shows that when humans arrived on Rapa Nui, the island was home to over 21 species of trees. Some of these were large, including at least three which grew up to 15 metres or more. One species of palm tree, the Easter Island or Rapa Nui palm, may even have been among the largest species of palm tree in the world. This now extinct tree, known as Pascalococcus, seems to have once been the most numerous species on the island, and its closest relative today, Jubea chilensis, or the Chilean wine palm, can reach heights of over 25 metres, its bulbous trunk the thickest in the world, reaching a diameter of more than a metre. I'll put an image of this tree up on Twitter and Patreon for you to see, as well as a digital reconstruction of what the original Easter Island might have looked like. The soil of Easter Island has never been rich, but the forest would have provided a small amount of food for the new settlers. Palm nuts and fruits too, along with the birds in the trees that could be trapped. Luckily for archaeologists, the sand of Anakena Beach, the site of that first settlement, is particularly good at preserving bone and human remains. Because of this, Skeletons examined here have given scientists insight into the lives of the ancient Rapa Nui. Studies have shown that as well as these plant crops, people supplemented their diet with a mix of marine animals, including dolphins that they trapped in the Bay of Anakena, seals, sea turtles, and fish that they caught with hooks carved from bone. In fact, bone chemistry analysis has shown that the people here got about half of their diet from the sea. They cooked all of these foods in earth ovens known as umu, cavities dug into the ground, which then had burning grass and leaves placed on top of them so that the heat radiated downwards. These people were ingenious and inherited knowledge from their ancestors. They made textiles from the fibres of the paper mulberry tree and spun rope from a tree known as the how tree. And with this healthy and diverse mix of foodstuffs and resources, their settlement became incredibly successful. From there, using slash-and-burn agricultural methods, the original settlers spread quickly across the small landmass of the island, 
and they soon began to clear the forest in order to plant their crops, until the whole of Rapa Nui was fully populated with around 3,000 people. Slowly, that primeval palm forest began to disappear from Easter Island. I think at this point, it's worth running you through that traditional story of what happened on Easter Island. It has been the dominant narrative about this island for decades, perhaps even centuries. It was begun by early European explorers, propagated by Victorian and 20th century anthropologists, and finally popularised by authors like the popular science writer Jared Diamond. And you might find it familiar. In this narrative, the inhabitants of Easter Island were the architects of their own demise. The story goes that their population boomed until the island could no longer support it. They cut down their trees to use as firewood for construction material and to use as rollers to transport their enormous statues. The loss of trees on the island resulted in an ecological collapse that destroyed the fertility of the soil and the productive potential of the island fell apart. Along with the collapse of the island's ecology, the complex and centralised society that had built the hundreds of stone statues on the coast began to collapse too. Resources became scarce, starvation ran rampant, and this led to a period of violent civil war. Shortly before the arrival of the Europeans in 1722, the whole of Rapa Nui society had come apart and only a few thousand survivors were left. Jared Diamond, perhaps the greatest champion of this theory today, puts it bluntly. In just a few centuries, the people of Easter Island wiped out their forest, drove their plants and animals to extinction, and saw their complex society spiral into chaos. This story has a widespread appeal for a number of reasons. In the latter half of the 20th century, as we became increasingly concerned about our own society's destructive impact on our environment, the story of Easter Island became irresistible as an example of the fate that might befall us if we fail to respect the environment around us. And the stone statues too have proved irresistible as emblems of human folly, our desire to always build bigger and better than our neighbours. In his book, Jared Diamond even makes the comparison to his neighbours in Hollywood building ever bigger and better mansions in an effort to prove their status. The islanders were so obsessed with these statues, the narrative goes, that they cut down all their trees to transport them. This single-minded obsession drove them to starvation, then cannibalism, and finally to the edge of extinction. But there are a number of problems with this narrative, a number of seriously questionable assumptions. And over the course of this episode, I'm going to try to unpick three of the most glaring of these assumptions so that you can assess the evidence for yourself. Firstly, there's the assumption that the Easter Islanders deforested their island due to greed, overpopulation, or even a maniacal obsession with statue building. Secondly, there's the assumption that the loss of the forest led to a societal collapse. And thirdly, 
there's the assumption that Easter Island society collapsed at all, at least before contact with the outside world. As we'll see, each of these assumptions has significant problems, and once we've dealt with them, we can get down to what actually happened to decimate the islanders of Rapa Nui, to strip the island of its plant life, and to leave those famous stone statues mouldering on the lone grassy hills of Easter Island. Virtually as soon as they arrived on the island, probably around the year 1200, the islanders began carving the monuments that would one day make them famous around the world. Stone statues are common on islands across the Polynesian world, but no other island can compete with the size of the Easter Island statues or with the incredible number carved. These statues are called moai, The Moai are known for their large, broad noses and strong chins, along with rectangle-shaped ears and deep eye slits. For the Easter Islanders, these statues were what they called Aringa Ora Atta Tepuna, that is, the living faces of the holy ancestors. 